Welcome to Between Two Barrels, a twice-weekly podcast recorded at Studio 66, presented by Tennessee Legend Distillery. Between Two Barrels is a show that highlights legends of all shapes and sizes from across the state of Tennessee, from the queen of country Dolly Parton to the elusive Tennessee Wildman, from our head distiller to our legendary staff and products. On this show, you will learn some terms of the alcohol industry, as well as learn some awesome recipes for food and cocktails alike. Join us as we journey through the volunteer state to bring you stories of legends that involve the beautiful state of Tennessee, from country music as well as rock and roll royalty, cryptids, distillery origins, carbonated beverage beginnings, and everything in between. This show truly highlights what makes a legend a Tennessee legend. Hello, hello, and welcome, legends, to another episode of Between Two Barrels Podcast. I'm your host, Opie, and joined again via satellite, thanks to our lovely snow, the manager, B-Low. What's up, B? If you've listened to any of the Patreon content, any of the behind the scenes, the chats, the catch up before the show, you'll know what's kind of going on. And also, just a, a reminder, you may hear uh, some abnormal sounds from what you normally would hear while we do definitely have ambient sounds you're not going to hear the the normal whistling from some of our employees or the sounds of the typical business going on definitely the the very less likelihood of any sort of potential random curse words coming out at any point in time but you will have different instances like a cat showing up uh, and making his presence known uh, as well as, of course, Doggo's uh, um, constant perimeter watch, uh, letting me know about every difference in anything outside, uh, as you can hear now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That'll um, just make up for the whistling that we normally get from one of our employees. Right. So, uh, And if at any point in time they wind up listening to this, hopefully they'll realize who it is, because <laughs> we don't want to wind up just straight up being mean and saying hey stop whistling because yeah. you know that does uh help people get through their day and everything like that yeah. but i'm glad we're not actually doing the the filming aspect of this uh unless you want to cut out little clips the of cat's this the star stuff. because right now yes the cat is the star in this uh episode thus far i've read yeah, that uh, it's because they they try to emulate and mimic what their owner's doing so some people yes. will actually get them like mini laptops and oh, stuff yes, like so that, like yeah. laptop toys. And they found that their cat will go to the toy and stand there on it like their owner's doing. They just want to be doing the same thing. If if we put any of the clips of this like on YouTube or whatever, uh, we, we may wind up starting to get a whole lot more views and stuff like yeah, that. Because the cat's because involved. We can say that we have cat content yeah <laughs> someone does a cat search and they want cat interrupts podcast cat interruption. and they get to uh see rusty rusty shackleford <laughs> if anybody can uh name the reference for that one uh we'll send you a between two barrels yes uh swag rusty shackleford we've still got uh 
some ice and snow and some of the, the more county back roads, including ours, yours and mine. Yes, uh, so ours we are via satellite again. But uh, hopefully the sun that does come up today and hopefully the 30 degrees that it's going to get up to, hopefully, is enough to allow us to be back in the studio tomorrow to do some work and back at TLD. Some of the closer people who live closer to the, the stores that had a little bit more main road uh, function, uh, they are there. So some of our, our stores are work working and open on a limited hour run shout out to uh mallory uh our resident elvisologist and of yes. course um inventory control manager uh, yes. make sure that all of our stores have all of their regular retail items to be able to sell um bonnie uh, mm -hmm. not enough that i can say about her and what she does for the company in terms of our survival location in and of itself um but the company Overall, in terms of uh, making sure that the finances stay uh, where they're supposed to be, and uh, most importantly, of course, making sure that everybody uh, gets their paycheck yeah. every week. So, yeah, Bonnie's uh, my favorite and then, of course, employee. Uh, uh, one of our um, top sellers, uh, time and time again, uh, for the Sevier County area, uh, Katie is going to be there, and another name that's always a top. The sales list, uh, Laura, will be out at our Newport location mm -hmm. today. Um, the uh, Cookville location is planning on being open as well. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Nashville, um, pretty much everybody out there is still stuck. Yeah. And will likely Nashville got it hard. And it's wild to think, like, I sent you a picture last night. I think for the first time in my memory, every county school system is closed. So it's like a statewide thing, temperature and ice-wise. Like, I don't think I've ever seen the entire state closed because of one weather pattern, school-wise. So that, honestly, I think would probably be a very fine segue into yeah. today's topic. Absolutely. Honestly, a great segue. Um, just because the fact of how you you typically look at the weather map if you are someone who winds up looking at this stuff mm -hmm. uh and at any given point in time that we had any of these fronts coming through of course they did stretch the entirety of the state uh from west all the way through east tennessee coming through missouri hitting mm -hmm. kentucky Parts of northern Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, of course, in some of those places it did turn into rain, but in places like Lookout Mountain, just down uh, across the border from Chattanooga and stuff like that. Uh, and of course, going over into North Carolina, and we know that Kentucky gets more of it typically than what we do, yeah. just because of how they're located in terms of the hemisphere, you know, the further north in latitude that you wind up going. During this time of the year, it's tilted more away from the sun. Uh, uh, I hate that I'm spitting science facts at people that don't believe in this type of thing. But, you know, you're on further tilt away from the sun. So, I mean, it's usually those types of places that wind up getting this stuff more. But the, the tie-in in this case to this is going to be 
one of the fun facts and something that really drives tourism for the state of Tennessee is that it's one of two states uh, that hold the record for being bordered by the highest number of states. And of course, two of these states share the border being each other as far as the one that Tennessee's tied with. Uh, one that, of course, uh, if you are a listener of the Talkie Top podcast, you will know as an SEC East rival of both the Volunteers and the Gamecocks, and that is the wonderful state of Missouri. Uh, Missouri and Tennessee hold a tie with being bordered by eight states each, uh, and each one of them, of course, are uh, sharing each other as mm-hmm. one of those eight states. And a fun call to action, I think, or I thought that we could have. And if you've been listening, I went ahead and mentioned several of them. Uh, but there are some other ones that I did not mention. Uh, but if you wind up going on to the Studio 66 site, mm-hmm. uh, of course, you can wind up going to uh, or emailing us at tld 22 at com and letting us know what all eight states uh, for either Missouri or Tennessee uh, we'll also hook you up with some stuff uh, if you happen to be visiting the area. Uh, but that's what I was getting to, is the fact that there are so many states that do border the state of Tennessee that are very short drives to be able to offer a lot of different things that the state of Tennessee has to offer. Uh, and we're going to talk about a few of those today because we are going to mm-hmm. be getting into some of our a collective of mine as a non-native Tennessee and things that people may not know about the state of Tennessee. Some things that I had known for a little while, some things that we've actually covered, uh, some things we plan on covering in mm-hmm. full-fledged episodes a little bit later on. But yeah, I've got a, a, a collection of fun things about the state of Tennessee as a non-native Tennessean that, that I found interesting that um, hopefully everyone else and, you know, maybe you can share some uh, personal stories. I know mm-hmm. I've got some from some of these places. Uh, to be able to share and and we'll be able to have some fun with this one today. Absolutely. Uh, one of those crazy fun facts uh, is uh, it's wild to think of me that if you drive from east, the far east of Tennessee to the far west of Tennessee, it's a nine or ten hour drive. Your bet you will get to the beach quicker than you can drive the entire width of Tennessee. Like I don't yes, think we, we uh, put into perspective when looking at a map ge- how far ge- east is to west. Geographically, if you were to turn the state of Tennessee from being horizontal to being vertical, the northeastern tip, uh, which would be around like the Bristol area, mm-hmm. is closer to the border of Canada than it would be to the other side of the state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Conversely, if you were to be in, like, down on the corner where Memphis is, you would be closer to Mexico than you would be to the uh, Bristol corner mm-hmm. of the state of Tennessee. It's, it's just that long, stretched yeah. out parallelogram. Like, at one point, it was like, we're going to have the state, it's, it's, a, it's a rectangle, and they're like, no, nah, that just, that just is, is really boring, so we need to do something else. 
Um, well, let's say that uh, uh, far most western border is the shape of of well, let's just say it follows the Mississippi River. Right, yeah. Perfect, sounds great. Yeah. Uh, um, that looks weird. Let's let's make the other side the same. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now we like the weird and, little. And it almost emulates. Yeah. Yeah, it's but no, like uh, a um, odd thing to think some about. Really fun facts. Uh, but I actually broke these down into uh, uh, three main topics, three main categories. Um, we're going to be talking about some more of the natural wonders of the state of Tennessee. Okay. Uh, something that more naturally exists. Uh, I do have some crossover with that one with a uh, tourism destination, which is one of the other topics. Mm. Uh, just tourism and uh, surrounding the state of Tennessee, which you could spend an entire episode dedicated to nothing but uh, tourism in general mm. for the state of Tennessee, uh, what it has for the impact on the economy, not for the state, but for the country uh, in and of itself, and all the imports and exports from the state uh, in and of itself would also be another full episode uh, that we could spend all kinds of time on. Um, uh, and then, of course, man-made uh, topics, uh, things that, that uh, you may not know about Tennessee that we're not going to spend an entire episode on, um, but things that would be really cool or things that I think that you guys should be know or that I thought that were really or was really cool about the state. Uh, so one of the first ones, of course, and the fact that we live in this area uh, is, of course, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park in and of itself. Um, there's so many impacts that it has not only uh, economically but ecologically on not only this area but the country in and of itself. I mean, uh, we talked about in uh, past episodes how it can be considered a uh, residual or residual. I can never remember exactly how that terminology goes, uh, but a rainforest, uh, yeah. not tropical rainforest, but uh, uh, a landlocked rainforest yeah. of sorts. Uh, the the type of, of geographical environment that it creates is home to species of animals that exist only in that environment. Uh, and we talked about how it, of course, too, uh, was part of the mountain range that would be the uh, uh, Scottish Highlands. So uh, a lot of the, the geographical uh, uh similarities of course between the two of those <clears throat> but beyond that um, there's all sorts of like I said flora and fauna that are are native to that area that only exist in that area or or are native to that area uh, people have of course taken them out and, and placed them elsewhere same thing with the, the native uh, animal species uh, insects uh, specifically amphibians. Um, us as a distillery, uh, we don't want to give away the the goat too much, but we do have a uh, plan in the works uh, to help support um, a a national park or a, a Great Smoky Mountains species specific mm -hmm. uh, amphibian. Um, so make sure that you're listening, and following for that. Uh, but it's also home to one of the most stunningly or visually stunning 
things that you will ever see in your lifetime. I have yet to experience it. This is something that you have to get on years in advance wait list for. Mm. There are lotteries that are held for this thing. Mm. Um, Nayland Stadium. To be able to experience in, in yeah, <laughs> right, uh, uh, for the diehard volunteer band, <laughs> you are correct. Uh, and and thankfully, you are one of the people that does have season tickets to this, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, but no, I'm talking, of course, about the synchronous fireflies. Uh, yeah. Of the Mountains National Park. Um, you can watch videos, you can see photos of it, um, but from what I understand, to, to experience it firsthand, to be among that many yeah. concentrated fireflies in a single point in time, because it's an area that is is of course protected you know the the amount of of carbon gases and stuff like that that are released into that area are are controlled as much as they possibly can just to ensure that that these types of things can happen in this area um is truly breathtaking um it's something really really to behold um, I don't know if you've been able to experience it or not firsthand, not but it's, it's something that, that that I have since I uh, since I heard about it. And this has probably been fifteen, almost twenty years ago now. It's something that I've wanted to try to experience, but either uh, I've had the knowledge, not had the money; had the money, not had the knowledge; um, um, had both the money and the knowledge but the schedule didn't sync up i mean it's always something that is has kept from from being able to get on there now the just the sheer popularity of it it's something to where you know you're having to to get in on it well well in advance so um definitely one of the, the top things on my list uh of fun things about the state of tennessee that i think that people ought to know um, one of the fun things that I didn't know, and this is getting into the topic of man-made categories, uh, I always thought of Nashville as being the, where, where country music came from as, as a non-native Tennessean. Yeah. But I was, I was kind of, I don't want to necessarily say shocked, but it was kind of one of those, huh moments whenever i learned that that bristol not nashville was the actual birthplace of country music as it's known today um and it was due to the fact that uh the earliest recordings were done in a sound studio in bristol but nashville being such a more traveled metropolis than what bristol was that's where everybody started congregating and that's where all of that stuff just took off. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually explained in more depth and detail in what we're going to be getting into into a later episode. Uh, but if we've got any Patreon listeners, uh, we'll actually get into uh, just a little tease of that over on the Patreon content uh, yeah. for that one. But is that something that you knew as a native Tennessean? That, um, that it, music, uh, not for a long time. Um, I was under the guise that Nashville was the birthplace of country music. I did know for a long time that there was some town in Arkansas that tried to counter that and say they were the birthplace of country music. Um, but 
many historians and, and actual historical fact prove that they're not. I did not know that it was Bristol until probably very similarly to uh, learning about the 12 Days of Christmas actual lineup when it was, was, was like during the pandemic. Like just oh, okay. bored and, you know, researching random facts to build my knowledge because for some reason I was like, I'm going to come out of this thing more knowledgeable about random stupid shit than I came in because I thought I'm going to come out of this pandemic as your dream trivia teammate. <laughs> for some reason, I was just so bored in those early You and I on a team together. <laughs> Dude, we start traveling the uh, yeah. uh, trivia we're night traveling circuit, the trivia circuit, and stuff, uh, shutting places down. Call it a team of uh, beards and beanies. <laughs> I'd be like, those two guys are in town. I heard they were in town. I don't want to go play. Instead of D and D, it'd be B and B. B and B. Oh goodness. Um, oh, if anybody is. Uh, if we happen to use uh, video, sweet tea, not bourbon. Uh, yeah. I just don't drink it uh, usually with ice at home. Um, one thing that can be non-disputed, uh, I am from South Carolina, uh, which is 100% the birthplace of sweet tea. Mm -hmm. So uh, for that, I can say you're welcome, America. <laughs> you're welcome, Tennessee. <laughs> uh, but next up, uh, this one is the one that is the crossover because it is both a natural phenomenon and a tourism as well as marketing legend and icon. And of course, the, the home to this place is uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and that is none other than Rock City. Sea Rock City. Yes, uh, one of the earliest forms of advertising in the U.S., uh, one of the earliest forms of billboard advertising, uh, and that was having barns um, just have Rock City, Sea Rock City painted uh, on the barn. It was a means of, of helping to reflect the sunlight, but also provided a form of advertisement. Um, and if you have not been, uh, definitely something that I recommend as a non-native Tennessean to go check out because not only do they have really cool rock formations, um, you also get to see some very beautiful gardens, some native species gardens, uh, several native to the area species of flora um, that's absolutely beautiful in that area. Uh, but you also get to see a very, very beautiful waterfall Mm -hmm. Huge, huge waterfall there in Rock City. Uh, you also can go to very by oh. nearby Lookout Mountain in Georgia uh, and be able to see uh, several of the bordering states uh, from there uh, to the state of Tennessee, including uh, Kentucky, uh, North Carolina. Uh, I believe South Carolina is on that list at that point in time. Mm -hmm. uh, but, of course, the main premise, the main purpose of Lookout Mountain was a strategic vantage point uh, for military battles uh, because you could see so far in any general direction um, for the type of battle that they did have during that time frame uh, that allowed for a distinct advantage. 
And if you are in and around those different rock formations, the type of guerrilla warfare uh, that also was employed during that time specifically, uh, like what Thomas Sumter uh, mm-hmm. would do. Um, again, if you don't know the reference, watch The Patriot with Mel Gibson. Uh, I'm going to drop that one if there's any chance I get, uh, just because it is about a, uh, uh, true South Carolina legend. Um, but, uh, go check that out and you mm-hmm. can see, uh, with the type of warfare that they implored during, uh, that time or that he implored during the American Revolution, uh, that you can see where it would be of a very, very distinct advantage. Uh, especially trying to to curtail people into those different ravines, cracks, and crevices that would provide uh, major advantages um, um, to whomever knew the the area and could use them. But yeah, it's it's a fantastic place. Uh, you also have uh, Ruby Falls that's down in that area. Uh, all yeah. just a very fantastic place. And your brother is yeah. now the head of a college uh, in that area. A uh, a high school. He is uh, starting his own high school, uh, Chat Academy uh, in Chattanooga. It's a high school. It's the first ever uh, completely bilingual charter school. It will have complete uh, education in both languages. Uh, You'll have your, you know, for uh, Hispanic students, full-on integrated uh, Spanish classes uh, everything taught in Spanish and English as well, but also a English learning Spanish and Spanish learning English. Uh, but it's the first bilingual school in the state of Tennessee, fully integrated bilingual school. Uh, so very proud. Um, they open this year. He's, uh, these first few months of 2024 are a busy, stressful time for Nolan, but he'll kick its butt. I know he will. Heck yeah. Looking to satisfy your sweet tooth while visiting the Smoky Mountains? Check out Adina's Sweet Shop, a treasure cottage of baked goods nestled in the heart of the Smokies in Gatlinburg. They create the most delectable homemade cupcakes, chocolates, pastries, pies, and so much more, including over 20 flavors of the best ice cream you've ever had. And don't forget to check out their selection of boozy favorites as well. Locals and visitors alike have raved about Adina's desserts, And once you've tried them, so will you. At Adina's Sweet Shop, there is truly something for everyone. Just minutes from Dollywood or the mountains, you can find them at 170 Glades Road in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, or online at adinasweetshop.com. And tell her you heard about them from Tennessee Legend Distillery. Uh, Moving back over to the natural side of things, as a uh, devout fisherman as I am, I I could not go without mentioning this one and one that I experienced a few years ago uh, that I actually got to experience with uh, some of the in-laws. I uh, got to spend a few days over in West Tennessee talking about that drive from one side of the state to the other. Uh, this one was definitely a bit of a haul. And that was going over to the borders uh, of... Uh, Lake and Obion counties in Tennessee and visiting Real Foot Lake. Uh, if you do not know about Real Foot Lake, 
mm-hmm. in the winter of 1811 going into 1812, so December into January, along the New Madrid fault line, uh, it produced a series of four massive earthquakes, enough to reverse the flow of the Mississippi River, flooding the area uh, on the border of those two counties, in effect, creating real foot lake. Now, if you have not been there, it is it is crazy uh, as far as in terms of at any point in time looking at that lake, either just looking down through it or looking at it through uh, sonar imaging, uh, whether it had been, you know, a depth finder from back in the 80s or the, the live scope stuff that they have now that is basically the same thing as having a, a, a sonogram, like doing an ultrasound underwater. You can see that type of detail um, looking underwater. And of course, not to mention that people are actually using um, friggin' full-on cameras now yeah. to be able to look at the water and see what's going on in that aspect. But uh, because it was a a cypress grove at one point in time there is now all of those cypress tree stumps or you can't even call it a stump it's the entire tree is still standing under the surface of the water because it was an area it was a forest that just got flooded out from where the river went down through there mm-hmm it just got backed up and flooded out, and it said that if it, if the water was ever at the right depth, like going down for a period of time, if there was enough of a drought, I guess you could say, toward the Mississippi River in that area, drop down low enough, you could walk from one side of the lake to the other across the tops of the trees that were still in existence and never touch water just because of the fact that there are so many trees and it's so dense still in different areas of that lake that that there's that much in there. Now, because it was part of the Mississippi River system, there's all the fish species that are part of the Mississippi River system in that area. Um, it's used for hunting during this time of the year for ducks and stuff like that. Uh, but, of course, it's also fish throughout the year and uh the time that i went uh, i think a total of maybe 10 fish were caught the entire trip and i caught six of them i may be embellishing the numbers a little bit uh but i know the ratio is about right uh <clears throat> and that's not a fisherman's story that's not a catfish tale. Um, that's right that's yes. not a catfish telling this uh, the, the numbers, like I said, may be slightly inflated, but the, the ratio is definitely true. true. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely a fun place to go check out. The, the rentals that are available definitely down on the waterfront are reasonable. Um, depending on the time of year, I think it was anywhere from 100 to 150 maybe $200 for the first night. And then after that, uh, I think it was maybe anywhere from $25 to $75 for each additional night past that, depending on what the base price was. Um, and it, like I said, you could be right there on the water, uh, docked 
literally going out out over the water, and it was fantastic. So, uh, like I said, another one as a non-native Tennessean and someone who loves the uh, experience of the outdoors and especially fishing, mm -hmm. Real Foot Lake, definitely one to check out. Uh, you ever been? No, no. I also uh, don't uh, have also, the patience to fish. Uh, one of the only bodies of water that has its own specific license that you have to purchase that is not covered by uh, any really? of the other uh, fishing or hunting licenses that the state of Tennessee provides. Uh, even the uh, Lifetime Sportsman uh, license, I do not believe, covers uh, Real Foot Preserve. You have to buy specifically the license for that to be able to fish and or hunt it. Because it's like the entire area is treated as a preserve, so um, even though there are people that live there and everything else, it's a, a full, you know, rural community. Uh, it's treated as though it's a preserve and it has its own. That's own wild. Fishing That's wild. Uh, so, as a native Tennessean, I have to ask you this next one uh, to see how many you think there are. Um, and how many, you know, you think there could be, uh, how many state songs do you think there are for the state of Tennessee? Uh, three. I would, I would say that's what my thought process would be, uh, that there are officially, you know, two or three officially recognized state songs. Um, I would uh, say of course, Rocky, Rocky Top, Top, Tennessee Waltz. Uh, yes. And that was the other one because that's the other one that you hear in in most all references. Yes, and <laughs> '90s Tyler would have told you back where I come from by Kenny Chesney, <laughs> but I, I I would have said two or three easily, mainly those two. How many do you think there are? I'm probably gonna look. No. Uneducated. Knowing, knowing that that's knowing that's not the case. Knowing that what you think is not the case, or okay. what you knew to be, or what you thought was not the case. How many do you think there are? God, I bet. Knowing Tennessee, knowing my beloved state, I bet there's ten, because we came up to a point where we're like, yeah, that's a state song. Yeah, that's a state song. Yeah, that's ours. Uh, I would say the third one's probably um, uh, Spend My Dollar or Dixieland Delight. Yeah. Even though that Bama would be awesome. But no, uh, it is not recognized as an official Tennessee State song. Okay. But you are correct. There are 10 of them, and it kind of reminded me of the, uh, the old pickup line Are you from Tennessee? Because you're the only 10 Man, I, I see. see. Uh, so there are 10 songs that the state of Tennessee recognizes. So those are the only 10 they see uh, wow. as official uh, state songs. And in order of the adoption of them being, quote unquote, officially recognized as state songs in 1925, you have My Homeland, Tennessee. Okay. In 1935, when it's Iris time in Tennessee. Yeah, it's the state flower. 1955, simply entitled My Tennessee. 
1965. Have you noticed a pattern here? Every like 10 years? 10 to 20 years. Yeah, we're like, ah, uh, we need a new song. In 1965, the Tennessee Waltz, which, of course, like I said, I mean, that's one that you even learn yep. to play on the recorder and stuff like that, or that you learn yep. uh, in, in uh, primary school uh, I, uh, as a non-native Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, that was one that, that we had heard uh, because it was an introduction, a perfect introduction to three, four times as opposed to four, four times. It was in a true waltz. Uh, uh, yeah. Time coding. Uh, it wasn't, and this one broke the trend. In 1982, uh, Rocky Top was officially recognized at that point in time. Mm -hmm. uh, 1992, so we're back on the trend. Uh, a song simply entitled Tennessee, and this one uh, at this point in time by Vivian uh vivian rory uh and i specifically wrote this one down and you'll see why here in just a moment uh four years later in 1996 pride of tennessee uh okay. also in 1996 the tennessee bicentennial rap was recognized as the official tennessee state song in 2010 smoky mountain rain but not as sung by ronnie Millsap. I think this was done uh, just guess... as the writers of the song, but okay. uh, Smoke Mountain Rain in 2010 uh, was recognized as an official song for the state of Tennessee. Uh, and then in 2012, as the most recent, another version of a song simply entitled Tennessee, but this one by John R. Bean. Okay. So those are the 10 state songs in order of adoption as recognized by the state of Tennessee. Wow. So these are the 10, 10 they see, or the 10 I see, as the top 10, or the 10 songs recognized by the state of Tennessee, as Tennessee state songs. I've heard of four of those. Four or five. That's crazy. Uh, other than the ones that you had named, or including the that you had previously named being Tennessee Waltz and Rocky Top. Of course, I know Smoky Mountain Rain. Everybody knows Smoky Mountain Rain. Yes. Well, not everybody, but... Yeah, not everybody, but it, most Tennesseans and bordering states, as you said earlier, has probably heard Smoky Mountain Rain. Yeah. Or I'll, I'll, I'll venture to say most small town demographic of people I've probably heard Smoky Mountain Rain. When it's now, Irish as time, we, I've never heard, but I did know our state flower was the iris. Is the iris, yeah. Yeah. Huh. And I'm interested to see exactly what the Tennessee Bicentennial rap is because after looking at the name of the person who wrote it, and I don't want to be like a, a negative person, but you you know the video of the the whitest white lady that there is teaching yes. hip-hop dance yes you know what video i'm talking about yes imagine that but being the person the name of the person who wrote the tennessee bicentennial rap so like i said i'm not mentioning the name or anything like that yeah. that's just what we're where we're going to leave it with that one uh we'll let people use theater of the mind with that um as you are 
traveling across the state of Tennessee, uh, you will probably be enjoying different uh, beverages purchased at gas stations across the the various uh, highways and byways as you do make your way across the state. Um, and if you are enjoying any of those in a bottle, you definitely want to thank a pair of uh, attorneys out of the Chattanooga area who went to Coca-Cola and suggested that they wind up putting their stuff in a bottle instead of being fountain sold only um, and being able to make it available to people everywhere. And thus, the first bottling company was established in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, another Chattanooga uh, infamous uh, on the board, as it were, um, being able to allow folks uh, across the country to enjoy uh, wonderfully carbonated beverages as they travel. So, yeah, um, had it not been for a couple of lawyers out of Chattanooga, we may never have known uh, what it was like to experience um, any kind of bottled sodas. Wow. And fun fact about that, um, the rights were apparently sold to the lawyers for a dollar, which they never collected on, but they were able to have all the bottling rights uh, henceforth as far as, you know, um, collecting all the money for that portion of it. So, yeah. <clears throat> and as you are driving uh, across some of those different highways and byways, it may be interesting for you to know, because it was certainly interesting to me, that uh, Tennessee is home to some very weird speed limits in different townships across the state. Uh, you may see some speed limits listed at 19 miles <laughs> per hour in different towns uh, and through different counties throughout the state, uh, and some listed at 31 miles per hour uh, in different places across the state. Uh, so make sure you're paying attention um, to the signs and to what your GPS says if you're going that way about it. Uh, I know if you use Waze, it will uh, actually tell you, you know, it'll show what the posted speed limit is. And if you're going at least one mile above it or two miles above it, it'll like be in red numbers what you're going yeah. above it, uh, showing that, you know, slow down, buddy. Um, and one of the uh, last things that I... Um, came across uh, in terms of doing some research and one place that I have not uh, experienced yet that I, I definitely have on my list uh, is the Lost Sea. You know what I'm talking about with that? I've, I've never been, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, the Lost Sea, the largest underground lake, part of the Craighead Cavern system in Tennessee. Um, in I mean, that pretty much sums it up. It is the largest underground lake uh, known to be in existence in the world, uh, or at least in the country, uh, and is a tourist destination. Uh, you are able to go in, get into uh, boats of various sizes and types, and go around and travel through the lake, be shown different rock formations. Uh, I don't know about any sort of wildlife. I'm not sure if it's like... Uh, uh, Ruby Falls, where the water has so much of whatever type of mineral in it that no life can actually be sustained uh, in the water uh, without, you know, proper filtration and stuff like that. If you were to drink it, it'll, like, cramp your stomach and everything else. 
uh, almost like dehydrate you or whatever because of whatever this particular mineral is. I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, uh, some fun things about the state that, that I found. Um, what about you? Is, are there any places or any uh, fun things that you think that people might? I think you've covered most of what I would say as a local to <clears throat> to an outsider. I mean, of course, we had already mentioned in, in previous episodes, uh, most recently talking about uh, Elvis, uh, his Graceland Estates is the second most visited uh, house beyond the White House in the country, uh, recently receiving its, I believe, 200 millionth visitor, yeah. which is just an insane number. Uh, of course, we talked about the Bell Witch. Yes. Uh, in previous episodes, if you go back into our uh, October archives, uh, you'll be able to listen to an episode where we talk to Stephen or uh, uh, sorry, uh, with Buford uh, with Hillbillies in the Holler um, about his uh, uh, tie-ins with the uh, some people who lived in the area and that had tie-ins directly with the uh, Bell family uh, in later years, of course, not not yes. directly during the time this stuff was happening yeah uh but they've all you know mentioned different personal experiences and stuff like that uh having had stuff happen as what they feel uh, uh a result of actions from the bell witch uh and of course uh speaking of sodas mountain dew uh mountain dew of course having its birthplace uh here in knoxville uh just a very very short drive uh if you can get out <laughs> mind you if you can yes. safely uh, traverse right now uh, over in Knoxville, Tennessee. So um, some other things definitely, like I said, that we have already uh, talked about uh, in full-length episodes. So if you want to go back into the archives and check any of those out, we definitely, definitely encourage you to do so. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, um, that's it uh, as far as for this regular episode. Now, I mean, I do have a few things to, to kind of tease uh, for more full-fledged episodes over uh, on the Patreon side of things. And I actually do have one other bonus one uh, to talk about that uh, it didn't pop into your mind. So I'm assuming that you probably didn't know about this uh, right off the top of your head, or I may have to mention something to be able to pry out a past memory or a past teaching uh, that you may have stored in the old brain index, brain Rolodex there. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that over on the Patreon side of things. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I hope that this has been knowledgeable for you legends. Uh, we're going to cut this right here, but if you, as he said, if you're a Patreon member, then by golly, you will be listening to our deeper dive into things and bonus conversation over on Patreon. If you are not a Patreon member, you have a chance to become one every day. Uh, for as low as a cup of coffee a month, you can go over to tldstudio66.com, go to the support page, and that will tell you where our Patreon is, what it is, and how you can become involved as a Patreon member. And no matter the tier you decide to become, we are thankful despite whatever tier you choose. And each tier is going to add benefits. So you will start out at a base tier of our uh, tourist tier, at $3 a month, $3 a month, not a day, a month. And uh, you're going to start <laughs> getting things. You're going to get a backlog of stuff 
that that tier does. But as you grow, whether it's $5, $10, each tier we're going to add new things. And there's already a massive back catalog of stuff on Patreon from 30 and Nerdy Podcast, Between Two Barrels, Cocky Top Podcast, Behind the Scenes of Studio 66, all that fun stuff, pre-decided uh, schedule drops that only Patreon gets to know is coming. So no matter the tier, you're going to get a backlog catalog of things that regular listeners do not get to take part in uh, as a thank you for becoming a Patreon member and supporting Studio 66. So check that out. Uh, we're going to stop this right here. Quick interjection. Sorry. I uh, forgot about this throughout the uh, uh, beginning part of the episode uh, with the way the weather and stuff still is as far as the roads and everything else. Check for uh, operating schedules uh, on social media for your local location uh if you're in the east uh Sevierville area or in the cookville national area both sub co-locations opening up until five with the way the road conditions are the temperatures the melting of the snow and stuff mm -hmm. creating ice after it gets dark we are closing those locations at 5 p.m eastern to allow plenty of time for travel to uh, get our employees home before uh, stuff freezes over and creates mm -hmm. hazards uh, after it gets dark uh, same thing goes for our Cookville location. Uh, Nashville's still in a situation where they are unable to get to the point of getting the store open. Um, but like I said, just keep up with any and all changes uh, on social media uh, as they come about. So Absolutely. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, stay kind to yourself. Stay kind to others. And as always, cheers to you, legends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Between Two Barrels. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information about what's happening with any of the Studio 66 shows, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, click the thumbs up, whatever you have to do to make sure you get your fill of this legendary content. To do so, search Studio 66 on Facebook or Instagram or the Studio 66 playlist on YouTube from Tennessee Legend Distillery. You can also subscribe to our Patreon channel, patreon.com slash tldstudio66, for additional content for all of the Studio 66 shows, as well as gifts from the different Studio 66 podcasts and Tennessee Legend Distillery. And if that wasn't enough, you can also visit our website, tldstudio66.com, where you can find links to all of the shows and podcasts, as well as merchandise for all of the individual podcasts. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. Heck, you can even leave us a voicemail if you like via SpeakPipe, or send us an email at tldtube23 at gmail.com. However you go about it, Make sure you don't miss out on getting even more legendary info about the studio, as well as the distillery from Studio 66, presented by Tennessee Legend Distillery.